Okay, this morning we're going to be looking at the book of Jude. Um, we're going to start out with our, our quarterly uh, on the summary and goal. It says, God calls us to defend the faith against those who deny Christian, moral, Christian morality. Our doctrine and our practice are fused together. Both must be guarded from the threats outside and inside the church. False teachers fuel division within the church, so we must build up ourselves in our faith as we also strengthen others to stand firm in the gospel together. Our theological theme is God's people are called to be a, <clears throat> to beware of false teachers. And Christ's connection is Jude wanted the early Christians sorry, Jude warned the early Christians about people who would create division by teaching false doctrine and engage in sinful behavior. Jesus is the one who protects his people from stumbling and who will enable us to stand in the presence of his glory, blameless and with great joy. So in between John, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, a warning of false teaching, encouragement of those who remain loyal to the gospel, and Revelations, a book of the end times, the second coming of Christ. Nestled right between these, right in between here is a tiny book of only 25 verses. It is the book of Jude. Even in some of the best study Bibles, it's only a couple of pages long. God has exalted his truth as high as his name. He is the God of truth. John says Jesus Christ is full of truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said the truth will set you free. The Bible is called the word of truth. Jesus said to the Father, your word is truth. We are supposed to worship God in truth. We are commanded to obey the truth and judge by the truth. In 1 Timothy 3.15, it says, In the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth, we are supposed to stand for the truth, stand up for the truth, defend the truth. We should strive to know him that is truth and rest in him that is truth. So if you'll please open your Bibles up to Jude. One chapter, we've got 25 verses, and we're going to start out in verses 1 and 2. It says, Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and the brother of James, to those who are the called, beloved in God, the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. So if you're using on one of the pew Bibles, um, that is on page 1223. So who is Jude? He is the half brother of Jesus, right? So Jude is the brother, uh, the brother of James, right? That's what it says. Okay, he's the son of Mary and Joseph, the half brother of Jesus. Verses three and four. 
It says, Beloved, while I was making every effort to write to you in our common salvation, I felt it necessary to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith which was once and for all handed down to the saints. For certain persons have crept in unnoticed, those who have long before handmarked out, excuse me, those who have long before handmarked out for the condemnation, ungodly persons who turn the grace of our God into lasciviousness and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Jude started out this letter with an intention of encouragement and sharing about God's salvation. But instead, he follows his... But instead, he... uh, He follows God's guidance and instead turns to warning about false teachers who have slipped into the church unnoticed. Now, even before the fall of Adam and Eve, the devil has attacked God's truth, trying to destroy it, to deceive, to twist the truth, and to bring about lies and deception. He's used men, women, and demons to attack God's truth. But even worse, he has managed to use the most effective weapon of all. He is attacking from within the church, using those that are associated with the truth in some way or any way. Those that used to call Christ Savior and now call him the enemy. Those that profess to be Christians and yet are wolves in sheep's clothing. Ever since the fall of Adam and Eve, we have seen those claiming to be God's people turning from God's truth, losing heart for the truth, losing interest in the truth. The false prophets that say, come to Christ and you can have anything, anything you want, cars, planes, success, you fill in the blank. They use words that tickle the ears of the world, telling them what they want to hear. But that's certainly contrary to Scripture. In James 4 and 3, he says, You ask and you don't receive because you ask with the wrong motives. Judah's warning about those who go unnoticed, who steer people away from the gospel slowly, until the church is no longer recognizable. There's only one way to be saved. It is the free gift of God through Jesus Christ. The gospel that we share is priceless. It's a priceless treasure. It's something that we should all take and hold on to with every might. And when we see it being destroyed, when we see it being taught against falsely, it's our responsibility to stand up for that, to correct that. It's not something that we do on our own. It's something that God will continually be with us 
guide us and direct us and fill our hearts and our minds with the words that we need to defend His Scripture. In verses 5 through 16, he says, Now I desire to remind you, though you know all things once and for all, that the Lord, after saving people out of the land of Egypt, subsequently destroyed those who did not believe, and angels who did not keep their own domain, but abandoned their proper abode. He is kept in eternal bonds under darkness, the judgment of the great day, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, since in the same way as these indulged in gross immorality, went after strange flesh and exhibited an example of undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. Yet in the same way, these men also, by dreaming, defile the flesh reject the authority and revile angelic majesties. But Michael the archangel, when he disputed with the devil and argued about the body of Moses, did not dare pronounce against him a railing judgment, he but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these men revile the things which they do not understand, the things which they know by instinct, like unreasoning animals by these things, they were are destroyed. Woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, and they have gone the way of Cain, and they pay. They have rushed headlong into the air of Balm and perished in the rebellion of Korah. These are the men who are hidden reefs in the in the loaves in the love fests, which the fests which with you without fear, caring for themselves. Clouds without water carried along the winds. Autumn trees without fruit, doubly dead, uprooted. Wild waves of the seas casting up their own shame, like foam. Wandering stars from from whom the black darkness has been reserved forever. It was also about these men that Enoch in the seventh generation from Adam prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord came with many thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment upon all, to convict all the ungodly of their ungodly deeds, which have done in an ungodly way, and all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are grumblers, finding fault, following after their own lusts. They speak arrogantly, flattering people for the sake of gaining an advantage. My goodness. Look at the examples that God judged the unbelieving Israel in the wilderness after saving them from slavery. God judged rebellious angels. God judged judged Sodom and Gomorrah. Cain, the first murderer in the Bible. Clouds without rain, trees without fruit, wild waves, wandering stars, grumblers, 
and those following their own sinful desires. Jude is comparing each and every one of these to false prophets and false teachers. False prophecy and false teaching is a huge, huge thing that each and every one of us face every single day. Our world is bombarded by it. It's bombarded by it in the holidays that we partake in. It's bombarded by TV. It's bombarded by radio. There's false religions. Our world is consumed by it. The question to you is, do you recognize it? Do you see it around you? And when you do, what do you do about it? Do you stand up for truth? Or do you let it slide? Do you stand up for what you believe? Or do you turn a blind eye? False teaching is one of those things that is so prevalent in our society today. And there's so many of us It'll just walk right on by and let the false teaching continue. In verses 17 through 19, it says, But you, beloved, ought to remember the words that are spoken beforehand by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, that they were saying to you in the last time, There will be mockers, following after their own ungodly lust. These are the ones who cause division, worldly-minded, devoid of spirit. See, Jude is reminding the church of something that they already know. That That false teachers would infiltrate the church. That they would cause division. In Revelations, John gives us the account of the church of of, uh, Ephesus. They lost their first love. The church of Pergamos was full of corruption and immorality. The church of Thyatira was so wicked that the Lord said that he would make them suffer and even kill some of them. The church of Sardis is completely dead, destroyed by apostates, false teachers. Those who defected from the truth of the church? What about the most famous church of all? The church of Laodicea. God says that it makes him sick 
that he'll spew them from his mouth because they were so wishy-washy that they wouldn't take a stand at all. And Second Peter tells us that they will twist the Scripture to their own destruction. Paul warned Timothy that in Acts that some would depart from the faith following deceitful spirits. John warned the church to test the spirits, to see if they were of God. Why is this so important? Because a fractured gospel within the church splinters the unity of the church. It causes division between truth and everything else. Unity in the church is essential. In John chapter 17, in Jesus' prayer, he says, as he's praying to the Father, he says, I and them, and thou and me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am. Do you think unity was important to Jesus? Within the church is important. And when we talk about the church, yes, obviously we talk about our local church. But we also talk about the bigger church. How often do we see preachers and evangelists that are out for their own gain? That preach and teach that you can have anything. How often do we have missionaries that come up to our doors trying to preach the false gospel? How often are we confronted with false teachers on a daily basis? False teaching will sometimes come in and it will be so blatant that it's very obvious. But other times, false teaching comes in slowly. We get led just a little bit astray at a time. It's so easy to get led astray. That's why it's so important that we continue to study and read the Bible. It's so important that we continue to gather with like-minded.
it's so important that we continue to build the foundation, the doctrine. Yes, ma'am. What she was saying is that a lot of the, the banks and those that deal with currency, they study currency. They study it, and they study the true thing. And because we study the true thing, that when the, something is false, you can just automatically tell that there's something not right about it. Something that just doesn't feel right, that doesn't look right, that isn't, you know, that it's just, although it might look right, that you can just tell that there's something that's off. So my question to you is, how is it that we can preserve truth? How do we protect the church? How do we protect those that are attending our church? How do we protect new, new folks that are coming into the church wanting to know the truth? How do we protect ourselves? How do we protect our husbands and our wives? our families, our children. How do we protect truth? As we go through, Jude is going to give us four things. Four things that are necessary for us to arm ourselves for the battle of truth. One is to remember. Two is to remain. Three is to reach out. And four is to rest. He says, remember, you were told it would be this way by the apostles. The apostles had warned us many, many times. Remember back in verse 5, he told us what would happen. It happened in the past. It happened with the children of Israel. See, God took the children of Israel and he took them out of slavery. And what did they do? They grumbled. They complained. They even went as far as to tell Moses that, why have you even taken us here? Why have you brought us out here to die? Why don't you just take us back? We would rather be there than where we are now. happened in the past. He's also telling us what is happening now. And remember, he's telling us what will happen in the future. See, remember that even though things seem discouraging, even though things seem to be falling apart around us, those are our circumstances. But each and every one of those things that we look at that are discouraging 
and frustrating and the way our circumstances just don't seem to be aligning with the way that we think our lives ought to be going. Each and every one of those things can really be an encouragement. Because Scripture has already told us it was going to be this way. That means God's Word is true. And absolutely, positively, every single one of those things, God can get the glory out of. God is in control. Jude's going to tell us to remain. Remain strong in the faith. Building a strong doctrinal foundation. And that doesn't mean that say, okay, I've read the Bible and now I have that foundation. No, it's something we have to continue to build. Continue to grow. Continue to read God's Word. Continue to see just how God is working in our lives. How God is working in the lives of others. He says to reach out. To be merciful to those that doubt and to snatch those falling away. See, it's so easy for us that when somebody falls away, first to not even notice. It's also easy for us that when we see somebody falling away, to turn a blind eye to them because we're afraid that we don't want to get involved. We're afraid that somebody might judge us. We're afraid we fill in the blank. God has given us the gospel so that we can go out and share the things that Christ has done. God has given us the gospel to go out and to snatch those back that have fallen to false doctrine, to false teachings. Remember, every single one of us was there. Not one of us was born saved. We all had to make that profession. We all had to make that choice. And when we turn a blind eye to those that are falling away, are we trying to say that now we're better than them? I hope not. tells us to rest. To rest in the fact that Christ has paid the price. He is the truth and He he secures our salvation. He is our Savior. Let's go ahead and read through verses 20 through 25. And it says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up 
on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ for to eternal life. And to have mercy on someone who are doubting. Save others, snatching them out of the fire. And on some, have mercy with fear, hating even the garment polluted by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his holy and gold... Excuse me. To stand in the presence of his his glory, blameless with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. If the church is going to discern false teachers, then we really, really need to know and understand our own faith. We need to understand our faith in truth. Yes, sir. The difference between heresy and false teaching. So heresy is going to be more of a blatant attack against the gospel. But false... They're so closely related is the problem. Because although you have a blatant heresy, a blatant attack against the gospel, false teaching will oftentimes maybe a little bit skewed. It might drive us in just a little bit of a different direction. It's kind of like if we were to take and decide to walk from here to that back door, and we have our eyes on that back door, it's a straight line. But if we're looking straight down at our feet while we're walking, if we even get off just a little bit here, we'll be a long ways off by the time we get over here. False teaching sometimes... And it, trying to find a proper way to put this, but sometimes false teaching comes without us even realizing that we're teaching falsely. Sometimes false teaching comes because we've picked it up from other people that we've heard, from other sources that we've read from misinterpretation of the scripture, from, you know, there's a lot of different things that can that can lead in that false teaching. But the truth is, they're both false teaching. They're both taking you away from the Word of God. They're both taking you away from truth. Yes, sir. Right. Yeah. 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Does that answer your question? See, we can't defend what you don't know. As God continues to increase our faith, our foundation gets stronger, our lives are going to reflect that. The battle of defending truth against false prophets, it's a tough battle. It's one that we don't take on alone. And since false prophets, false religions, false teachings, they're all around us. They come in all types of disguises. From those who blatantly try to destroy the truth. Those who slowly lead us away until the church is unrecognizable. To those that twist twist scripture for their own gain. There's many other ways, many other disguises that false teaching comes. It's vitally, vitally, vitally important that we stand against false teaching. It's vitally important for our families. It's vitally important for our communities. It's vitally important for our churches. Each and every one of these depend on us to stand on the truth of God's Word. What would be the outcome if we, if, if we refuse to take this serious? What would our world look like? We'd lose our first love. We'd be full of corruption and immorality. We'd be wicked. We'd be destroyed by apostates, by false teachers. Our life would be filled with lies and deception. We would become wishy-washy. We wouldn't stand for anything. And yet we would fall and follow everything. Scripture would be twisted and mangled beyond recognition. Only for us to look back and ask, How did this happen? How did we get here? Wishing that we had some kind of warning or insight. Oh, wait. We do. We have those warnings. We have those insights. We can see what is going to happen. God has not made his word a mystery. He tells us. He warns us. Be on guard. Test the Spirit. My question to you guys is do you ever listen to someone preach? Ever listen to a Sunday school? Ever have a conversation with someone claiming to be a fellow Christian 
participate in quote-unquote Christian activities and then take that conversation, conversation, take that preaching, take that teaching, and do you guys just take it at face value? Or do you go back to the Bible and see if it's true? See if it's right? Don't get me wrong. Preaching and teaching, Sunday schools, Awanas, our children's church, you know, participating in, in activities with those that are like-minded, all of those are absolutely positively important. But remember, the church is full of fallible people. Not one of us is completely above reproach. And if you're not taking this Sunday school hour and taking the words that are spoken and the, and the teachings that come in here and the teachings that come from that our children are being taught and not taking, taking the preaching hour and not going back and following it up in Scripture, then shame on you. Because you've got to understand, false teaching can come in so many ways. Sometimes it's purposeful and sometimes it's not. But it's your responsibility. It's your responsibility to take the Word of God that is being taught to you, that you have read, that you have heard, and it's your responsibility to go through and grab your Bible and follow it up with it. Because if you don't, if you don't, there's a very good chance at some point you are going to be led astray. If you don't, at some point, you're going to run into a teaching that sounds good. It sounds right. Probably one of my, probably one of the illustrations you guys have probably heard me say many times is we'll look at at a, at a teaching that sounds good and sounds right, and it says, you know, family is everything. Family is everything. How can that be wrong? That sounds great. Being part of a church, we understand the importance of family. But if your doctrine is family is everything. And God forbid something happens to your family. What are you left to stand on? What are you left to stand on? Nothing. How do you tell that dad that just lo- that who just lost his his wife and children in a car accident that family is everything? Again, it turns back to what is your foundation? What is the doctrine that you stand on? If that doctrine is anything, 
anything other than the Word of God is going to fail you. Guys, keep your eyes open. Keep your ears open. Keep your hearts open. Pay attention to those false teachings that come. Don't be afraid to stand up for what you believe. But you can't stand up for what you believe unless you know what you believe. And if you don't know what you believe, then let's start with a biblical foundation. Start by getting in touch with your pastor, your elders, your teachers. Ask them to help you. Ask them to help you get that strong foundation. If you feel like your foundation is weak, pray, 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 pray. Ask for wisdom. Ask for guidance. Turn to your church. Turn to those you trust. And by those you trust, I mean turn to those that you really trust, not those that will agree with you. Huge difference. Huge difference. And as Jude says, beware of false teachings. Beware of false prophets. Know that they are all around. Let's go ahead and close in prayer. Father God, we just want to thank you for Thank you for being truth. Thank you for giving us your word that is so rich and insightful. For your love that is so such a comforting place for us. To rest in when the battle becomes too much to bear. We ask you, Father God, that you please open up our eyes and our hearts that we may be used in a glorifying way to you. Help us to stand strong against false teachings. Help us to stand strong when we feel weak. We ask you, Lord, to protect our church, to protect our families. We ask you, Lord, that you protect your word as it comes out of the mouths of those that preach, of those that teach. We ask you, Lord, that you keep your word pure in our mind. We ask you, Lord, to keep your word pure in your church. And we want to praise you and thank you for all that you do. And for the many, many, many blessings that you bestow upon us. And we just praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.